0: Between the Essential Reads and the English Essentials, I spend a lot of time writing scripts. Now, I could do this from home, but it's a lot nicer to get out of the house and work in a coffee shop or a cafe. I could use my phone data to check articles and research for my scripts, but that can get expensive fast. It's so much easier to use the Wi-Fi at my favourite coffee shops. Well, thanks to Surfshark VPN, I don't have to worry about public Wi-Fi networks stealing my data. I simply choose from one of their 3,200 plus servers in 100 countries and continue working without having to worry about anyone stealing my data. Use the link in the description or episode notes to get Surfshark VPN today for as little as $2.30 a month on a two-year plan and work worry-free wherever you please. We've all gone to websites only to be presented with a pop-up asking if we'll accept the cookies. Well... Did you know that by accepting those cookies, you're allowing that website to collect data on you? These websites will then sell your information to data brokers, who will then create a digital profile of you, which can be used by banks, advertisers, and scammers against you. Well, thanks to Incogni, you no longer need to worry about your data being stolen and sold. Incogni is a tool that will remove your data from these companies for you. All you need to do is sign up, allow Incogni to work for you, and they will contact data brokers on your behalf and guarantee that your digital ID is removed from the internet. Use the link in the description and episode notes and get a Cogni today for 6.49 per month on a year plan and protect your data and digital ID. Hello, and welcome to the Essential Reads Podcast. I'm Isaac, and my goal is to bring to you a bunch of audiobooks from your favourite classic authors such as Orson Wells, Robert Louis Stevenson, John Steinbeck, and many more. Come join me on this journey to help get these books to the masses in an easy, accessible way. Let's start. The Catcher in the Rye by J.D. Salinger. Chapter 15. I didn't sleep too long because I think it was only around 10 o'clock when I woke up. I felt pretty hungry as soon as I had a cigarette. The last time I'd eaten was one of those two hamburgers I had with Bossard and Ackley when we went into Agerstown to the movies. That was a long time ago. It seemed like 50 years ago. The phone was right next to me, and I started to call down and have them send up some breakfast. But I was sort of afraid they might send it up with old Maurice. If you think I was dying to see him again, you're crazy. So I just laid around in bed for a while and smoked another cigarette. I thought of giving old Jane a buzz to see if she was home yet and all but I wasn't in the mood. What did I do? I gave old Sally Hayes a buzz. She went to Mary A. Woodruff, and I knew she was home because I had this letter from her a couple of weeks ago. I wasn't too crazy about her, but I'd known her for years. I used to think she was quite intelligent in my stupidity. The reason I did was because she knew quite a lot about the theater and plays and literature and all that stuff. If somebody knows quite a lot about those things, it takes you quite a while to find out whether they're really stupid or not. It took me years to find it out in old Sally's case. I think I'd have found it out sooner if we hadn't necked so damn much. My big trouble is, I sort of think whoever I'm necking is a pretty intelligent person. It hasn't got a goddamn thing to do with it. But I keep thinking it anyway. Anyway, I gave her a buzz. First, the maid answered. Then her father... Then she got on. Sally, I said. Yeah? Who is this? She said. She was still quite a little phony. I'd already told her father who it was. Holden Coalfield. How are ya? Holden! I'm fine! How are you? Swell. Listen, how are ya, anyway? I mean, how school? Fine, she said. I mean, you know. Swell. Well... Listen, I was wondering if you were busy today. It's Saturday, but there's always one or two matinees going on Sunday. Benefits and that stuff. Would you care to go? I'd love to. Grand. Grand. If there's one word I hate, it's grand. It's so phony. For a second, I was tempted to tell her to forget the matinee. But we chewed the fat for a while. That is, she chewed it. You couldn't get a word in, edgewise. First, she told me about some Harvard guy. It was probably a freshman, but she didn't say, naturally, that was rushing hell out of her. Calling her up, night and day. Night and day. That killed me. Then, she told me about some other guy. Some West Point cadet, that was cutting his throat over her, too. Big deal. I told her to meet me, under the clock, at Biltmore, at 2 o'clock. And not to be late, because the show probably started at 2.30. She was always late. Then I hung up. She gave me a pain in the ass, but she was very good looking. After I made the date with old Sally, I got out of bed and got dressed and packed my bag. I took a look out the window before I left my room, though, to see how all the perverts were doing. But they all had their shades down. They were the height of modesty in the morning. Then I went down in the elevator and checked out. I didn't see old Maurice around anywhere. I didn't break my neck looking for him, naturally. The bastard. I got a cab outside the hotel, but I didn't have the faintest damn idea where I was going. I had no place to go. It was only Sunday, and I couldn't go home till Wednesday, or Tuesday the soonest. And I certainly didn't feel like going to another hotel and getting my brains beat out. So what I did, I told the driver to take me to Grand Central Station. It was right near the Blitmore, where I was meeting Sally later and I figured what I'd do, I check my bags in one of those strong boxes that they give you a key to. then get some breakfast. I was sort of hungry. While I was in the cab, I took out my wallet and sort of counted my money. I don't remember exactly what I had left, but it was no fortune or anything. I spent a king's ransom in about two lousy weeks. I really had. I'm a goddamn spendthrift at heart. What I don't spend, I lose. Half the time, I sort of even forget to pick up my change at restaurants and nightclubs and all. It drives my parents crazy. You can't blame them. My father's quite wealthy, though. I don't know how much he makes, he's never discussed that stuff with me, but I imagine quite a lot. He's a corporation lawyer. Those boys really haul it in. Another reason I know he's quite well off, he's always investing money in shows on Broadway. They always flop, though, and it drives my mother crazy when he does it. She hasn't felt too healthy since my brother Allie died. She's very nervous. That's another reason why I hated like hell for to know I got the axe again. After I put my bags in one of those strong boxes at the station, I went to this little sandwich bar and bad breakfast. I had quite a large breakfast for me. Orange juice, bacon, eggs, toast, coffee. Usually, I just drink some orange juice. I'm a very light eater. I really am. That's why I'm so damn skinny. I was supposed to be on this diet where you eat a lot of starches and crap to gain weight and all, but I could never do it. I generally just eat a Swiss cheese sandwich and malted milk. It isn't much, but you get quite a lot of vitamins in the malted milk. H.V. Caulfield. Holden Vitamin Caulfield. While I was eating my eggs, those two nuns with suitcases and all, I guess they were moving to another convent or something, were waiting for a train. Came in and sat down next to me at the counter. They didn't seem to know what the hell to do with their suitcases, so I gave them a hand. They were these very inexpensive-looking suitcases, the ones that aren't genuine leather or anything. It is important, I know, but I hate it when somebody has cheap suitcases. I know it sounds terrible to say it, but I can even get to hate somebody just by looking at them. They have cheap suitcases with them. Something happened once. For a while, when I was at Elkton College, I roomed with this boy, Dick Slaggle that had these very inexpensive suitcases. He used to keep them under the bed instead of on the rack, so that nobody'd see them standing next to mine. It depressed the holy hell out of me. I kept wanting to throw mine out or something, or even trade with him. Mine came from Mark Cross, and they were genuine cowhide and all that crap. I guess they cost quite a pretty penny. But it was a funny thing. Here's what happened. What I did, I finally put my suitcases under my bed, instead of on the rack, so the old slaggle wouldn't get a goddamn inferiority complex about it. But here's what he did. The day after I put mine under my bed, he took them out and put them back on the rack. The reason he did it, it took me a while to find out, was because he wanted people to think that my bags were his. He really did. He was a very funny guy, that way. He was always saying snotty things about them. My suitcases, for instance. He kept saying they were too new and bourgeois. That was his favorite goddamn word. He read it somewhere or heard it somewhere. Everything I had was bourgeois as hell. Even my fountain pen was bourgeois. He borrowed it off me all the time. But it was bourgeois anyway. We only roomed together for about two months. Then we both asked we moved. And the funny thing was, I sort of missed him after we moved because he had a hell of a good sense of humor we had a lot of fun sometimes. I wouldn't be surprised if he missed me too. At first, he only used to be kidding when he called my stuff bourgeois, and I didn't give a damn. It was sort of funny, in fact. Then, after a while, you could tell he wasn't kidding anymore. The thing is, it's really hard to be roommates with people if your suitcases are much better than theirs. If yours are really good ones, and theirs aren't, you think, if they're intelligent and all, the other person, and have a good sense of humor, that I don't give a damn whose suitcases are better. But they do. They really do. It's one of the reasons I room with a stupid bastard-like Stradladder. At least his suitcases were as good as mine. Anyway, these two nuns were sitting next to me, and we sort of struck up a conversation. The one next to me had one of those straw baskets that you see nuns and Salvation Army babes collecting dough with around Christmas time. You could see them standing on corners, especially on 5th Avenue, in front of big department stores and all. Anyway, the one next to me dropped hers on the floor, and I reached down and picked it up for her. I asked her if she was out collecting money for charity and all. She said no. She said she couldn't get it in her suitcase when she was packing it, and she was just carrying it. She had a pretty nice smile when she looked at you. She had a big nose, and she had on those glasses with sort of iron rims that aren't too attractive but she had a hell of a kind face. I thought you were taking up collection, I told her. I could make a small contribution. You could keep the money for when you do take up a collection. Oh, how kind of you, she said. And the other one, her friend, looked over at me. The other one was reading a little black book while she drank her coffee. It looked like a Bible, but it was too skinny. It was a Bible-type book, though. All the two of them were reading for breakfast was toast and coffee. That depressed me. I hate it if I'm eating bacon and eggs or something, and somebody else is only eating toast and coffee. They let me give them ten bucks as a contribution. They kept asking me if I was sure I could afford it and all. I told them I had quite a bit of money with me, but they didn't seem to believe me. They took it, though, finally. The both of them kept thanking me so much it was embarrassing. I swung the conversation around to general topics and asked them where they were going. They said they were schoolteachers, and that they'd just come from Chicago, and that they were going to start teaching at some convent on 168th Street or 186th Street, or one of those streets way the hell uptown. The one next to me, with the iron glasses, said she taught English, and a friend taught history and American government. Then I started wondering, like a bastard, what the one sitting next to me, that taught English, thought about being a nun and all when she read certain books for English. Books... Not necessarily with a lot of sexy stuff in them, but books with lovers and all in them. Take Old Eustacia Vy, in The Return of the Narrative, by Thomas Hardy. She wasn't too sexy or anything, but even so, you can't help wondering what a nun maybe thinks about it when she reads Old Eustacia. I didn't say anything, though, naturally. All I said was English was my best subject. Oh, really? Oh, I'm so glad, the one with the glasses that taught English said. What have you read this year? I'd be interested to know. She was really nice. Well, most of the time we were on the Anglo-Saxons. Beowulf and Old Grendel and Lord Randall, my son, all those things. But we had to read outside books for extra credit once in a while. I read The Return of the Native by Thomas Hardy and Romeo and Juliet and Julius. Oh, Romeo and Juliet. Lovely. Didn't you just love it? She certainly didn't sound much like a nun. Yes, I did. I liked it a lot. There were a few things I didn't like about it, but it was quite moving on the whole. What didn't you like about it? Can you remember? To tell you the truth, it was sort of embarrassing in a way, to be talking about Romeo and Juliet with her. I mean, that play gets pretty sexy in some parts, and she was a nun and all. But she asked me, so I discussed it with her for a while. Well, I'm not too crazy about Romeo and Juliet, I said. I mean, I like them, but I don't know. They get pretty annoying sometimes. I mean, I felt much sorrier when old Mercutio got killed than when Romeo and Juliet did. The thing is, I never really liked Romeo too much after Mercutio gets stabbed by that other man, Juliet's cousin. What's his name? Tybalt. That's right, Tybalt, I said. I always forget that guy's name. It was Romeo's fault. I mean, I liked him best in the play, old Mercutio. I don't know. All those Montagues and Capulets, they're all right, especially Juliet. But Mercusio, he was... It's hard to explain. He was very smart and entertaining and all. The thing is, it drives me crazy if somebody gets killed, especially somebody very smart and entertaining and all, and it's somebody else's fault. Romeo and Juliet, at least it was their own fault. What school do you go to? She asked me. She probably wanted to get off the subject of Romeo and Juliet. I told her Pensy, and she'd heard of it. She said it was a very good school. I let it pass, though. Then, the other one, that taught history and government, said they'd better be running along. I took their checks off them, but they wouldn't let me pay it. The one with the glasses made me give it back to her. "'You've been more than generous,' she said. "'You're a very sweet boy.' She certainly was nice." She reminded me a little of old Ernest Morrow's mother, the one I met on the train, when she smiled, mostly. "'We've enjoyed talking to you so much,' she said. I said I enjoyed talking to them a lot, too. I meant it, too. I'd have enjoyed it even more, though, I think, if I hadn't been sort of afraid the whole time I was talking to them, that they'd all of a sudden try and find out if I was Catholic. Catholics are always trying to find out if you're a Catholic. It happens a lot to me, I know, partially because my last name's Irish.' and most people of Irish descent are Catholic. As a matter of fact, my father was a Catholic once. He quit, though, when he married my mother. But Catholics are always trying to find out if you're Catholic, even if they don't know your last name. I knew this one Catholic boy, Louis Shaney, when I was at the Wooten School. He was the first boy I ever met there. He and I were sitting in the first two chairs outside the goddamn infirmary the day school opened, waiting for our physicals. We sort of struck up conversation about tennis. He was quite interested in tennis, and so was I. He told me he went to the Nationals of Forest Hill every summer, and I told him I did, too. And then we talked about certain hot-shot tennis players for quite a while. He knew quite a lot about tennis for a kid his age. He really did. Then, after a while, right in the middle of the goddamn conversation, he asked me, Did you happen to notice where the Catholic Church is in town by any chance? The thing is. You could tell by the way he asked me that he was trying to find out if I was Catholic. He really was. Not that he was prejudiced or anything, but he just wanted to know. He was enjoying the conversation about tennis and all, but you could tell he would have enjoyed it more if I was a Catholic and all. That kind of stuff drives me crazy. I'm not saying it ruined our conversation or anything, it didn't, but it sure as hell didn't do it any good. That's why I was glad those two nuns didn't ask me if I was Catholic. It wouldn't have spoiled the conversation if they had, but it would have been different, probably. I'm not saying I blame Catholics. I don't. I'd be the same way, probably, if I was a Catholic. It's just like those suitcases I was telling you about, in a way. All I'm saying is that it's no good for a nice conversation. That's all I'm saying. When they got up to go, the two nuns, I did something very stupid and embarrassing. I was smoking a cigarette, and when I stood up to say goodbye to them, by mistake, I blew some smoke in their faces. I didn't mean to do it, but I did it. I apologized like a madman, and they were very polite and nice about it, but it was very embarrassing anyway. But after they left, I started getting sorry that I'd only given them ten bucks for a collection. But the thing was, I made that date to go to a matinee with old Sally Hayes, and I needed to keep some dough for the tickets and stuff. I was sorry anyway though. Goddamn, honey. It always ends up making you blue as hell. Thank you so very much for listening. If you enjoyed, please leave a review. And if you really want to support me, share this chapter with your friends, family, and whoever you feel would enjoy it. And if you really wish to support me, head to my Patreon. The link is in the episode notes. If you choose to follow the podcast, you'll have three new chapters per week, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Once again, I thank you for listening. And until next time, Bye-bye.